Leading Britain's Conversation. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Morning. Steve Allen here with you this Sunday morning. Coming up at six, In Conversation. And joined this week by two fantastic guests. First up, an actor currently starring in the theatre after playing Dirty Den's son in EastEnders. That's Nigel Harmon. Also joining me, one of my favourite guests. She's an actress, a dancer and a singer. It's Bonnie Langford. That's all at six. But first, we have my best bits from the week. And this week, we started off by talking about one of the best wedding venues in the country. Uh, Well worth a perusal, the Dulwich Picture Gallery. Do you know, I've been to the Dulwich Picture Gallery. I've been to the Dulwich. Isn't that strange? You should mention the Dulwich Picture Gallery. Because my friend, my ex-producer, Giles, he got married down there. And um, and we uh, we had a look at the Dulwich Picture Gallery. So I know all about it, which is lovely. No Kelly Brook at the awards. She should have a stern word with her agent. I shall have a word with Jonathan immediately. Yes, it's very unusual not to see Kelly Brook there, because she is actress, isn't she, I suppose? Obviously, earlier on, somebody was talking about um, chocolate... Uh, Eggs and stuff like that. And I'm not, not really, not really um, a great chocolate eater. We did have a Ferrero Rocher this morning. Although the, the, the blood sugar readings are very good. I was demonstrating to my friend Anthony how I did the blood. We got 9.3 this morning, so I was quite pleased about that. Just in case you're a new listener, I'm diabetic. Sorry about that. So there was a, so there was a story on the front page of one of the papers. It turns out, so they were alleging... You have to throw all these words in here because I don't know. And I think it's been picked up by by one of the other papers. And I can't remember which one it is. Danielle Westbrook's son was in a car that was stopped by the police and they found drugs in the car. And, and so she apparently has given him a stern talking to. And I'm thinking, well, that's a bit stupid, isn't it? This for a woman whose uh, who's drug taking was well documented... You know, in fact, you couldn't shut her up about it. And uh, and you sound surprised. You sound surprised, you know, that your, your son would be in a car where there were drugs and the police are now investigating as to whether or not it was, it was, it was enough to, uh, to deal or whether or not it was for personal consumption. I think he's only very young, but quite clearly, if your mum's Danielle Westbrook, you kind of start with a handicap, don't you? There's not really a lot you can do about it. You just have to... You just have to sort of hold your hands up and fess up to it and go, well, unfortunately, that's that's what happens. That's what happens. Uh, Much talk in the papers today of Susanna Reid. They say to boost ratings for Daybreak. I think they're going to be as disappointed with her as they were with that failure that is Christine Bleakley. What a waste of money. They brought them in. They're doing the one show. You see, this is a stupid thing now. This is where you get people in television who completely misread the public. Completely misread the public. 99% of you aren't remotely interested in who fronts a television programme. You couldn't give a toss. You're more interested in can they read an auto cue, and that's it. And because Little Miss Big Ed goes on a dancing programme, she now starts believing the publicity. So, apparently, she then sort of starts issuing ultimatums uh, to the BBC. This was what the story was. And I said, I can't believe somebody. I mean, she did say, she's quite clearly a liar, if you cut me, I bleed BBC. That's what it is. She's a BBC person. So, she's going to ITV, and they said, oh, they're going to make her into a big star. I thought, what do you mean a big star? Because she can read. Because she can read. That's what I don't understand about the whole thing. They failed with Christine Bleakley and uh, Adrian Childs. Oh, I woke up to this morning. Very bored. I mean, he was about the last person you want to wake up with. He made you want to go back to sleep again. She's no more exciting, I'm afraid. Because now you've alienated the public immediately. And I'll tell them exactly why 
she's alienated everybody because they've started talking about she's being lured with a million-pound deal. Do you think the people who watch television or listen to the radio are remotely interested in what somebody earns? Why don't you just shove it down their faces? Shove it down their faces. That's the problem. That's the problem. The British public, ordinary people in the streets like you, ordinary people out there, and they go, and she's being paid a million pounds to read big words out. Oh, big deal, ladies and gentlemen, big deal. They say she's been offered a million to defect and will sign this week. They say that Ali Jones' face is being axed because apparently they want Richard Bacon. What, what is the thinking behind this? What is the thinking? Um, they say, Ali, I thought Alid was, was safe there. I saw no reason why they would get rid of Alid Jones. Somebody says there's been a review of ITV Breakfast and some changes will be announced. Alid is a key part of plans moving forward. So, in other words, discount the Alid Jones rubbish. They're not going to be signing Richard Bacon anytime soon. I mean, who wants to wake up to Richard Bacon? He looks half asleep later on in the day, let alone for breakfast. And, uh, and unfortunately, Susanna Reid. Why they think she could boost ratings. What evidence is there of this? There's no evidence whatsoever. Sutton columnist Lorraine Kelly apparently said she's leaving Daybreak uh, to do what? And also, they've, they've also announced as well, they've said, oh, Susanna Reid will do this and she'll be given a daytime show as well. What, so two shows she can fail on? I don't quite understand the logic. If you did a survey on Susanna Reid, people would go, she's only, what, a million pounds for sitting there reading big words? No, I'm sorry. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I don't know what the aunt acts the programme. Oh, Makes it so much easier. Radio does so much better. So much better. But, uh, but to actually... I mean, for Lorraine Kelly to go, I think that's a bit of a blow. But then, obviously, there's something else. Uh, I thought her life was geared up. She does her, her programme, and she's, she's quite happy with it. I just don't understand why we're interested in Susanna Reid. I didn't think she was that particularly clever. I mean, she's quite clearly very big-headed. Uh, Martin says, talking about killing animals... Um, my mate came round for some dinner yesterday. Funnily enough, gave me a book to read. Odd friends you've got. So they come round for dinner and they give you a book, do they? George Orwell's Animal Farm. There you go. Uh, David says, that a farmer in Hertfordshire near my parents' house, partridge is a bread for a twice-weekly shoot. All the escapees end up in the local garden. Some may get shot, but many survive. Uh, but, they are, but that's what they do with all of them. I mean, there's nothing new, David, about, about partridges bred for the shoot. That's exactly what they're bred for. Partridges and pheasants uh, are bred for shooting. You go to any farm and they're breeding them, and they're breeding them for the weekly shoot. You know, and the idea is people pay good money to come in with their guns and blast them out. That's what beaters do. They go out there, but they're all bred. They're, these aren't wild things. They're actually bred for purpose. Bred for purpose. Yes, I don't, I don't quite understand why, why they're, they're sort of making a big deal about Susanna Reid. Oh, you know, she's going to be the big saviour of daytime. Why? She's been on daytime television for years. She hasn't made any difference to it at all. Makes no difference whether there's her doing it or Charlie State. Most people would probably rather watch Charlie State. The majority of people don't like watching women on television. You know, especially when they're going to be as irritating as she is, sitting there with little Miss Smug Face. You know, and you think, but you're on a million pounds a year for doing this. I mean, it's bad enough with Christine Bleakley. What a waste of money there. <sighs> I don't know. Got to get it off your chest, haven't you? You've got to get it off your chest. Uh, oh, I, there was a lovely piece I cut out from the Sunday papers on Kylie Minogue. Apparently, Kylie was thinking of quitting The Voice. And I thought, oh, good. And then it said, she was thinking, because she can't bear to tell people they don't have any hope in the music business. Oh, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. It's so ridiculous. Have you heard of anything so stupid in your entire life? In other words, Kylie, who I thought was terribly strong, and I'm led to believe is quite strong, was thinking of quitting because she can't bear to tell people. I'm terribly sorry. You're rubbish. 
I'm terribly sorry, you're crap. You can't sing. Get off the programme. And she was thinking of quitting over that. I don't think so, love. You're on contract. So don't come up with silly little statements like that. Ugh, oh, dear me. Did you see the wind the other day? Oh, my God, that was bad. I've got terracotta pots. Big ones. I've got a... a about 20 or 30 terracotta pots, which I fill up every summer, as you know, and we, we have lovely uh, lovely flowers and everything else. And uh, one of them fell off the wall, got blown off the wall, smashed to pieces, smashed to pieces, which is... Um, but then I, I put it down to the fact it is only, only a pot, only a pot. It's always replaceable. Helen Flanagan going out on the town, apparently ended up... Um, this is... Uh, she was wearing a dress in Knightsbridge. She went to Nobu, I think, or something like that, uh, wearing a very inappropriate outfit. I'm sorry, darling, it's a restaurant. It's not some sort of floozy's night out. You know, they've got a reputation to me. I don't know what you thought you were wearing. Oh, dear. What are you do- You don't even live in London. Go home. We don't want you down here. We don't like you. Go away. Do you know what an honesty box is? You find them... I have encountered honesty boxes all over the world. Sometimes you see them. There's a house in Staines uh, on the Laylam Road which might or might not be underwater as we speak, and they had an honesty box outside for their plants. They had a table with their plants on, and people bought them, and then... And I'm assuming that people who buy plants are very honest, because they just look very honest. Whenever you go to a garden centre, there's lots of honest-looking people having something to eat, and, you know, they're all of a certain age. They didn't look, or they don't look, look to me as if they would thieve. I mean, obviously, some of them do. So W.H. Smith had an honesty box for those people who didn't want to queue... And then, you so you buy a paper and it's 60 pence. You take your 60 pence, you drop it in the box and you walk out. So you don't have to queue and get a receipt. Well, they've decided to drop it because it turns out that half their uh, shoppers aren't honest at all. People put in used bus tickets, chewing gum, foreign coins. One shop assistant called it a dishonesty box. He said he'd be surprised. People in suits. You turn your back and they'll put something in there. People in suits. Can you believe that? I mean, that is absolutely unbelievable that people in suits will actually will actually do that. There's one uh, French chef as well who's in the papers today. He's banned cameras from his restaurant after becoming annoyed by diners constantly taking pictures of their meals. He runs a restaurant in uh, La Madeleine in northern France and customers often appeared more interested in photographing the food than eating it. So he's banned cameras. Why would you want to... People do that now. Now you've, now you've actually got... Um, cameras in your phone you can take pictures of your food can't you and generally go this is rubbish we've seen this this is rubbish i mean sometimes i've been i've gone that looks really nice but i've never ever thought that i want to take a picture of my dinner producer has sent, sent to me he does things like that if you go to his uh, twitter account which you can't of course uh you know all sorts of pictures of food people take pictures it's funny people take pictures of food i think he sends it back home to the family just so people <laughs> He says, this is what we're eating today. And his, his mammy at home's going, I can't believe it. Look what our little boy's eating. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I'll stop now as I don't want to offend poor Pordy. We'll have a quick break here, but in a few minutes I'll be discussing Anton Deck's big move to the US of A. This is LBC. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Earlier this week, we started off the show with a very perplexing story. Does my gun look big in this? This was the story. I mean, it, it, it gets so stupid. We've gone completely barking mad. Barking mad. This is the story of two women police officers. They're obviously trained in guns. PC's Victoria Weekly and Rachel Giles struggled to reach the trigger of the Glock 17S. 
OK, they struggle to read because the gun is too big. So as opposed to just saying, do you have any other handguns? They sue the police force. They sue the police force. They're likely to get, they reckon, £35,000 each. For what? Dear God in heaven. Their solicitor, wait for this one, says the constabulary failed to take the necessary steps to prevent female officers being disadvantaged. Oh, for God's sake, grow up, for God's sake. PC Weekly works at Sellafield in Cumbria. PC Giles at Chapel Cross, the former nuke station near Annan, southwest Scotland. Uh, the CNC are, are appealing the London Tribunal ruling. And uh, they have won an employment tribunal, and they're likely to get compensation. They pleaded with trainers to adjust the pistol grips after failing annual test shoots. But does that really warrant compensation? You know, I mean, have they had hurt feelings, diddums? I don't understand why you would give them compensation. Surely you just say, listen, we've made a mistake there, so we've now given them these guns, or we've done that, or we've done this. Not, not to have to go to a solicitor. God in heaven. It's like we had a doctor, didn't we, some years ago. I remember when this ridiculous compensation malarkey started. We had the ambulance chasers all over the place. You know, have you tripped up recently? So-and-so climbed up a ladder to fix an aerial, but it was the wrong ladder. And so he got 9,600. So out the woodwork, they come. Out the woodwork, they come. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous that all you have to do is turn around and say... It's like me sort of saying... Um, you know, if the lifts are broken here, I've got to come down the stairs. I can't do that. I'm a diabetic. It's, it's so stupid. You just, you, just, you just get on with it. Makes you wonder how they've managed to make it to adulthood or even actually get into the police force. Ridiculous. Kevin the Milkman says, Old listeners, Steve, we're not, we're not old. Just outstaying our welcome in the middle-age lounge. The middle-age lounge. I like the idea of being a middle... I don't have any problem with being in a middle-age lounge. I'm probably sitting there with Neil and Kevin and everybody else at the same time. I still can't understand why police officers would get compensation. I mean, just give them another gun. Why would you have to give them money? I mean, surely they must realise that people up and down the length and breadth of the land, unless you're really dim, would be going, compensation for what? Did they burst into tears? Did their little hands not reach the trigger? Oh, dear. And so the thing is... The constabulary failed to take the necessary steps to prevent female officers being disadvantaged. To be honest with you, if your hands are too blooming small, take them off the gun thing. Put it on something else. I don't really, you know... John in Orsham is not a fan of Anton Deck. What is he? I am. I am a fan of Anton Deck. I don't think that they should ever have done the likely lads. I don't think they're ever going to be allowed to grow up. I think they're forever going to be stuck with each other. They're never going to be able to do things. They are almost like Morecambe and Wise. You know, their, their, their programmes do very well because they do celebrity quite well, because they do the, uh, the whole Saturday night entertainment thing. I think that's good. I'll tell you what I'm missing. You know, we have the Royal Variety performance. Well, years and years ago, I remember... Well, I think I remember... The Children's Royal Variety performance. And you know, they used to put people like John Barrowman on there before people knew he was gay, and, and loads of other people. And they don't seem to do the children's royal variety. I wish they, I wish they would, because it was good. And you could have somebody like Anton Deck hosting that, because they work well together. And that's why, as we said yesterday, taking that uh, Susanna Reid from the BBC and putting her on ITV's breakfast show is of no interest to anybody. 99.9% of you yesterday in our instant poll survey said that you couldn't care less where she turned up. But they seem to think on ITV that, that you want to watch her for breakfast. 
Whereas, whereas the whole secret of breakfast, like the secret of this morning, like the secret of Ant and Deck, is the chemistry between two people. Susanna Reid has got no chemistry with anybody apart from her own ego. That's the only chemistry she has. She's a very, very average auto-cue reader. Bill Turnbull is great. He knows his, his market. He knows exactly what he's doing. Charlie State knows exactly what he's doing. And there's another girl on there whose name I can't pronounce. But she knows exactly what she's doing. She was working with Charlie State the other day. And she was very, very good. But Susanna Reid is sort of just some big-headed person who sort of started believing the publicity. And having upset you all yesterday by saying she's going to be earning a million pounds a year for fronting a breakfast show with no audience. Hello? Come into the real world. They've already cocked up once at ITV by putting Christine Bleakley and Adrian Charles on about as much chemistry as a tin of paint and a brush, I'm afraid. No chemistry whatsoever. It's got to be chemistry on television because the great British public, you, see through it. If somebody is not genuine on the television, you see through it. If somebody is not, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing, you see through it and they last five minutes. And that's why putting Susanna Reid on breakfast television with A and other present. What were they saying? Richard Bacon the other day. Have they ever worked together before? No. What is the point? They've got no idea. Two presenters, both fighting. She'll be pretending that she thinks she's attractive and that people are really interested. Nobody gives us stuff what you look like on television. We like to see people made up well, you know, and dressing nicely. But unfortunately, it's what you do for a living that is the interesting thing for you. You don't really care about, you know, whether she tosses her hair three times. That's why Peter Andre gets up your nose, him and his ghastly girlfriend, you know, because she's just an irritant. You know, Harry Styles, to a certain extent, gets up everybody's nose because it's just, oh, here's Harry Styles again. Go somewhere else. I had to laugh coming out of uh, a top nightclub, Mahiki in London. Two girls tottering about on heels, silver heels. I mean, to be honest with you, I seriously thought they were renting by the hour. But anyway, they, they walk round the corner. They stand in a doorway. We were, we were parked at red lights. Well, we had to stop there because they were red. If they were green, we'd have gone. And they then open their bags up and take two flat shoes out and take their high heels off and put these flat shoes on because they can't walk in these heels. They were obviously just propping up the bar at this time of the morning and that's about, that's about as far as it got, I'm afraid. So that, that was quite funny. But that's what you want on television. You want the Anton decks. The idea they go, you know, you're going to put Ali Jones with Lorraine Kelly. They then have to pretend they've got a fake relationship because she's been doing it for a long, long time. And I've said to people before, to have a double-headed programme... It's, it's got to be the Anton Dex. It's got to be the Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield. It's got to be, to a certain extent, Eamon and Ruth, because they know each other. You can't just put two people in together. And I'll tell you for why. Because they fight for their own space. I did a double-headed programme on LBC years and years ago, and it did not work. Because I was better. And, and you fight for your own space. So, consequently, every opportunity, somebody's jumping in to make sure that they get the coverage. And that's why it's so ridiculous to put two people on the television, where we can see straight away. There was no chemistry between Christine Bleakley and, uh, and, the, and the one with the dreary voice. There was nothing at all. They might as well have built a brick wall between the two of them. It takes time to work up. And even Eamon Holmes will tell you that there's an art to doing it. No matter how easy somebody makes it appear, I promise you, it's difficult. But if they make it look easy... That's that's that that's the artistry in the whole thing. So when you see Lorraine sitting there with both both perfectly pleasant, Ali Jones, both perfectly pleasant people, no chemistry. It doesn't matter whether they sit there and look at each other. You know, there's no chemistry. Susanna Reid will have no chemistry with anybody at all. 
I'm not remotely interested. I'm afraid that in the case of television presenters nowadays, it seems that any old so-and-so can crawl out the woodwork and go, I think I'll be a presenter. That's why we laughed so much, didn't we? Yesterday... We had poor old Jessica Wright, little Jessica, little Jessica Wright from the Only Wears Essex, another one of the numpty Wright family. I mean, really, a whole family of nerds. Difficult to find, isn't it, really? But there they all are, bless their art. Poor old Nanny Pat, <sighs> face like a road map of the Sahara Desert. You've got Mum, who quite clearly loves the limelight. Dad, who doesn't really say very much at all. Mark, who really doesn't do a lot. And uh, little Jessica. It's almost like Joey Essex and his ghastly sister with the dreadfully butch man's voice. And so, consequently, you've got Jessica saying yesterday that she might have to quit The Only Way's Essex. And we got marginally excited. For a moment, we went, good Lord, she's going to be quitting. Thank God for that. Let's get rid of the Fahir sisters as well, because they don't contribute anything. And what, what happened was, she said, no, if her pop career takes off, then she'll have to leave because she'll be wanted around the world. I thought, darling, nobody's remotely interested in your singing career. Nobody's remotely interested in you. That's why, you know, you can go and launch a new lipstick or some new nail varnish. But that's about as far as it gets. There is no career in singing. She's actually released singles before, and I think they're remaindered. I think not even in Poundland. I think even market traders have turned them down. Not good. Do you remember the story of Violet Baker? Do you remember Violet Baker? She was branded evil by her family. Why, why was Violet Baker branded evil? She died, incidentally. Not because she was branded evil. But when, when she died, uh, she left £770,000 the Conservative Party. Now, the reason she left it is because she was obviously a, a die-hard Conservative. Sadly for her, and thank God she's not here to witness her vile family, uh, they were Labour supporters. She was a wicked woman, says Elsie Clark, sister of Violet's dead husband. I wonder if the family have considered the possibility that Violet hated them, says Carol Malone, as quite rightly the whole country does. And the biggest posthumous two-fingered salute she could deliver was to leave all her cash to the Tories. Elsie says... This is Elsie Clark. She probably did it to spite us. She probably did. And I'll bet she used to secretly vote for Maggie, shouting, Wahey! as she put the X next to her name on the polling day. Well, it's always money, isn't it? Whenever a family... So, you know, if she chooses to leave it to a home for retired cats from Lima, that's her business. That's your last will and testament. That's the legal binding document. Do you want to leave anything to the vile Elsie Clark? No. She's a nasty, wicked old witch who should have been burnt at the stake ages ago. You know, these people who fight over somebody's money. When I go, when I go, I've done a will. And I'm expecting it to be adhered to. If it isn't, I shall come back and haunt the person who doesn't adhere to it. Because I've left money to, you know, to various people. Because that's, you know, that's what you do. You must do a will. And the only reason I impress on you to make a will... Not, you know, and you can do it at any age you like. You can always change your will. Mine's lodged with the bank. And you do it because it makes it so much easier when you're not here. OK, because otherwise people have to start going, right, This what's he doing with all this? I don't know what to do with this money. So if you want to leave money, in particular to, you know, your godchildren or a loved one, I mean, you might actually have people in your will at the moment thinking, I don't actually talk to them anymore. That was a time when I talked to them. Perhaps I'll take them out of the will. I mean, all the people in my will have been there for some time. I'm not saying they're going to be right there all the way through. You know, if all of a sudden you win the lottery, then, you know, you might change your mind and you might leave you know, different money to different people, and to charity. So that's, so that's, that's right. That's, that's the way it should be. So I always agree. The, um, the very idea that people argue over your money when you're gone, I find horrific. But then people are greedy, aren't they? People are greedy, and they, and they really want, you know, money. If £770,000 is very life-changing. 
What do you mean the old bag left it to the Tory party? She was evil and wicked. No, she was sticking two fingers up you because the evil and wicked one is you. Talking of evil and wicked, here he is. A homeless charmer. There's these people everywhere. His name is Christian Barber. Uh, he appeared on a, on a website. He claimed, and I would have thought they, they could have checked this quite easily, but quite clearly, you know, the word dumb springs to mind and innocent suckers. And there's one born every minute. In the case here, Christine Spencer and Wendy Stubbs, whose house was ransacked by Barber, should have known better. If somebody says to you, I've won £118 million on the lottery and I've got a fleet of luxury cars, you expect to see evidence of it. OK. They didn't, because he hadn't won £118 million. It's very easy to check. You just go, when, when did you win it? And you check out somebody. I mean, barring calling somebody a liar, and of course he is a liar, you know, but he, he then said he wanted to pay off their, their debts. So what he did, he just gained their trust. Yeah, I love you. I really love you. I really want to share my life with somebody, and you seem the sort of person for it. All he wanted to do was raid their bank accounts, and that's why you need to get the proof. Don't forget, in half an hour, you'll hear from Nigel Harmon and Bonnie Langford as they join me for In Conversation. But now, LBC News time. It's 5.30. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Morning. You're listening to the best of Steve Allen this Sunday morning on LBC. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with Nigel Harmon and Bonnie Langford. But now my best bits. And this week, we were talking about our friends in Welsh Wales. They've sold a house, uh, and it's in South Wales, a place called uh, Brynmore. I think that's how you pronounce it. Brynmore? Brynmore. And this house had a guy... It's a hundred-year-old, one-bedroom terraced house. The guide price at auction was 8000 Outside toilet. One of the only houses in the country with an outside toilet. Who remembers outside toilets? Come on, hands up. Not if you're driving. Don't put your hands up if you're driving. Don't be... Too late. Um, outside... Yeah, but my, uh, my grandmother used to have an outside toilet in her house, and people didn't have toilet paper in those days. They used to cut up newspaper. So if you wanted to read the Times, you just had to bend somebody over and sort of read their bottom, as it were. Not very exciting, I admit. But, I mean, people had outside... To- you didn't spend a lot of time in there in the middle of winter. It was freezing cold. Freeze it, but I remember it. Gosh, I, want, I can't be that old, can I? It's not possible, surely not. Uh, Victoria Beckham, uh, yes, I did have a, a boob job, um, and it was some years ago, but she says, I, I don't have them now. So here she is. She says um, she also has a little, she has laser hair removal from her legs, proving, I think, that she's really a, a rugby player. I think David's a bit more feminine than she is. But she says, uh, I'm not saying I'm not happy now. I'm just as happy now. Uh, there's no chance, I think, of the Spice Girls getting back together. Well, not with her anyway. Why would she be re- remotely interested? I d- she's always said that she would not be bothered to go back to the Spice Girls. Because she's got another... Lo- Why would you want to go through that touring and the, the exhaustion? And they certainly wouldn't use them on the reunion programme where they've got this dreadful bunch of no-hopers on there. It's awful. Uh, I've just watched History in the Making, says Ellie. Uh, an Italian TV show which is remotely similar to Surprise Surprise has its first gay kiss, uh, male to male. It was a prolonged kiss. It was a wonderful love story, and the audience cheered. Really, I thought Italian television shows everything. I wouldn't imagine that uh, that they're homophobic at all. I mean, you can't move in Italy for for gay blokes. Look at all the models that go there. That's where they all go to. They all go to Rome. So I'm I'm surprised that you you would think that a television show wouldn't show something like that. They have. They have naked shows over there. Italian television is very liberated. Very, very liberated. 
Uh, read the new series of Benefit Street. I'm just glad it's not going to be a public-paying BBC product, but give it time. Well, yeah, they're a, a new series, but outside of Birmingham. So drop the, u- drop the usual bunch of no-hopers and, um, and then find, find some other no-hopers, which is great. Um, one here says, I'm wide awake too. I was here for the 4am spike and I'm only 42. Yeah, right. Uh, another one here. It says, sorry to hear your blood sugars are causing you a problem at the moment. I've just wondered, have you ever considered an insulin pump? No, no, it's not that bad. My daughter's never looked back since she got one. It makes it easier to manage her diabetes. One of the guys here, Mike, who's a, he's a terrible diabetic. He won't, won't thank me for telling you that. He's terrible. I mean, he's all over the place. There's no accounting for where his, his blood sugars go. Some of them drop down, you know, really horrendously. So he's having a pump fitted. They're quite expensive. So he said, so I can't wait to see it. Reese is in the uh, the Daily Mirror today, the brave little boy. Uh, he says here, at home I will lose my life slightly earlier than with more treatment. He's 11. So he's got his list up on Facebook. He's got 300 well wishes and they've left messages. Um, somebody wrote to him, Linda says, difficult decision to have to make. I hope you do everything on your bucket list. Uh, he had breakfast from Weatherspoons. I mean, he's only 11, bless him. He doesn't want a lot in life, does he? He's got this incurable disease and uh, they've tried him on some new medication and it hasn't stopped it spreading. This is uh, neuroblastoma. It's a rare form of the disease, which he was first diagnosed with in 2008. Uh, he wants his own Xbox One. You know, all things doable. I mean, breakfast at Weatherspoons. <laughs> Makes your heart bleed, doesn't it, really? And um, he comes from Whitstable. He wants to meet Johnny Depp. He hasn't managed to do that yet. I bet the moment Johnny Depp reads this, he's going to be beating a path to your door, Reese. He doesn't want any more drugs, thank you very much indeed. He's had enough of his uh, had enough of his drugs. He wants to, you know, just let nature take its course. Uh, more on um, the story, which actually we did uh, a little while ago, which is, are we really happiest when we're awake? I don't see how you can be happy when you're asleep. I don't see how that works. I mean, I have been known to smile in my sleep, they tell me. No, I just made that up. Nobody's told me that at all, actually. I don't know, I don't know how you could be happy when you're sleeping. Unless you have, No, Teddy never said a word. Don't start bringing him into it. It's time of the morning. Goodness sake, honestly, it's outrageous. He he's not here to answer for himself. And he hasn't got a mobile phone. I've taken it away for misuse. Simple as that. So, are you really happiest when you wake up first thing in the morning? Well, when I wake up in the morning, I'm a good morning person. Some people are in very bad... Not me. Not me. I like... You know, I bounce... I do bounce out of bed. You have to. I've got one of those mattresses where you kind of sink into it. Apparently it's called memory foam. And incidentally, if you do have memory foam, you can't put an electric blanket on it. It kind of melts. I just thought I'd tell you that now, just in case you sink in a mire of polyurethane or whatever it happens to be that's uh, making up these memory foam things. But I do like it. It just means it's difficult to get out of bed when you're slightly on the plump side, and I would consider myself to be slightly on the plump side, I have to practically roll out of bed. It's all a little bit difficult. In the papers today is what I think is an old story. It's the supermarket offers that fool you into thinking you've got a bargain. A friend of mine went, went the other day. Now, I mean, I understand how it works, but I mean, it, it seemed a bit childish. He went to Patisserie Valerie, and they've got a special offer on at the moment. Four cream cakes, four of their sliced cakes... For £10. So he said, can I just have two, please, for £5? No. The offer is four for £10. He said, why can't I just have two for £5? Because the offer is four for £10. But I don't want four cakes. I want two. And if it's four for ten, why can't I, why can't I have two for five? And they said, because you can't. 
They, were, they weren't prepared to but In the end, he lost his temper and walked out. Because he just wanted to buy two cream cakes that I couldn't have eaten four. He said, but they wouldn't sell me two for five when it's four for ten. Anyway, there are lots of other offers which encourage you to spend more in the supermarket. We know, because we've seen these year on, year in. I mean, I've noticed things shrinking in size. I complained bitterly that the, the quality of certain things has shrunk over the years. Marks and Spencer's underpants, the material, is definitely cheaper. Their shirts, thinner. Some of their shirts, their, their casual shirts, thinner. Toilet paper, thinner beyond belief. Absolutely ridiculous. Their little salmon parcels at Christmas, much smaller. Almost half the size. Hardly worth bothering, actually. And so now, which have been out and they've had a look at the pricing tactics of the big supermarkets in the country. And to be honest with you, it's, it's, we've, we've known about this for years and we still buy into it, don't we? Uh, for example, a bottle of Persil washing liquid was reduced in size by 17%, but became more expensive in Asda, Sainsbury's, Morrison's and Ocado. So it costs more. Uh, offers uh, alternated between two or three similar items. Example, Tesco swapped discounts between bottles of... Hardy's red wine over five months. At any given time, one could always be bought for £5 to £5.98. Pound stickers. Only a pound. And this was in Waitrose. Sainsbury's broccoli, Waitrose mushrooms and Asda garlic were all sold under the only a pound guys. But they were always only a pound. They've never been anything else. And uh, another one here. This is confusing multi-buys. You know, sometimes it says... Two for a fiver, or three for this, or get the smallest item, for whatever it happens to be. Anyway, Marks and Spencer's mixed grapes were positioned next to a two for four pound sign, but they weren't part of the offer. And many of the time, I've, I've bought stuff in Marks and Spencer's, and when it's got to the till, I check. you must check your receipts. Now, a lot of you don't check, they, they say, shall I put the receipt in the bag? Yeah, put the receipt in the bag, and nobody, nobody checks it. You should check it. Before you leave, go through it and make sure that if there was a discount... On an item, then you've received that discount. Because sometimes they haven't checked it on the shelves. And, uh, and they don't do it. So you have to really, really, really check. Also, it's cheaper on a Tuesday. Avoid Tesco's website on a Monday where everything's more expensive. A pack of blueberries was £2.25 on Sunday and Monday, and then £2 for the rest of the week. The company did admit that it was a technical error. We've never actually discovered whether or not they were charging the £2.25. Uh, and you've got it rather than buying coffee or herbs in a jar every time you run out, supermarkets offer refill packs. Now, you presume that buying without the jar means it's better. Not always the case. For example, a Kenko Eco refill of coffee was the same cost per 100 grams as coffee in a 200 gram jar at Asda. So you've really got to shop around. Uh, for example, different stores selling different sizes. You may not realise, but products are sold at slightly different sizes between rival stores, making price comparisons a little bit difficult. For example, Finnish dishwasher tablets had 52 tablets in most supermarkets, but in Asda, only 48. So you're being cheated out of four. I mean, you might, you know, you might say, and I would probably be the first to say, goodness sake, it's only four dishwasher tablets. But you add that up over the millions of people who buy dishwasher tablets, and you'll probably get four million dishwasher tablets. Let's take a quick break. When we're back, we're measuring our blood levels again, as it's not been a good week. This is LBC. This is LBC, with the best of Steve Allen. Leading Britain's conversation. 
This is LBC with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. Earlier this week, I bumped into an old friend. Talking to my friend Michael yesterday. You know, Michael is the... Uh, he's, his, his blood sugar levels are worse than mine. He lives in Whitstable, so we were both talking about that uh, story of that brave little boy, Reese. You know, the one with the incurable uh, illness, and he said he doesn't want any more treatment. He wants to just let it take its course. He's 11. He's 11. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. And Mike was telling me about his son who camped in his bedroom the other night because it's half term. He says, and his wife said, you'd better be careful because their, their son was at the end of the bed. He'd made a little... So, you know what kids are like? They sort of go camping when you're younger. We used to do it. You'd go say, can I, can I sleep in the garden tonight? You know, which was great because we lived in a tower block. And um, we didn't have a garden. Didn't even have a balcony, actually. And so your mum would say, yeah, you can sleep in the garden. So when we had a house, I slept in the garden. Well, you'd be out there for about an hour and then you'd think... I think I'll go back inside now. It's not very, it's not so exciting. So here is uh, how to give a cat a pill. This is for all cat lovers everywhere. Do not ask me to repeat it. It only gets the one airing and you'll have to download it. First of all, this is, this is for people who actually own a cat. Pick up cat and cradle it in the crook of your left arm as if holding a baby. Position your right forefinger and thumb on either side of the cat's mouth and gently apply pressure to the cheek's whilst holding the pill in the right hand. As the cat opens its mouth, pop pill into mouth, allow cat to close mouth and swallow. Retrieve pill from the floor and cat from behind sofa. Cradle cat in left arm and repeat process. Retrieve cat from bedroom and throw soggy pill away. Take new pill from foil wrap. Cradle cat in left arm, holding rear paws tightly with left hand. Force jaws open and push pill to back of mouth with right forefinger. Hold mouth shut for a count of ten. Retrieve pill from the goldfish bowl and cat from top of wardrobe. Call spouse from garden. Kneel on floor with cat wedged firmly between knees. Hold front and rear paws. Ignore low sounds emitted by cat. Get spouse to hold head firmly with one hand while forcing ruler into mouth. Drop pill down ruler and rub cat's throat vigorously. Retrieve cat from curtain rail. Get another pill from foil wrap. Make note to buy new ruler and repair curtains. Carefully sweep shattered figurines and vases from hearth and set to one side for gluing later. Wrap cat in large towel and get spouse to lie on cat with head just visible from below armpit. Put pill in end of drinking straw. Force mouth open with pencil and blow down drinking straw. Check label to make sure pill not harmful to humans. Drink a beer to take taste away. Apply band-aid to spouse's forearm and remove blood from carpet with cold water and soap. Retrieve cat from neighbour's shed. Get another pill. Open another beer. Place cat in cupboard. Close door on it, the neck, leaving head showing. Force mouth open with dessert spoon. Flick pill down throat with elastic band. Fetch screwdriver from garage and put cupboard door back on hinges. Drink beer. Fetch bottle of scotch. Pour shot. Drink. Apply cold compress to cheek and check records for date of last tetanus shot. Apply whiskey compress to cheek to disinfect. Toss back another shot. Throw T-shirt away and fetch new one from bedroom. Call fire department to retrieve the damn cat from across the road. Apologise to the neighbour who crashed into the fence while swerving to avoid the cat. Take the last pill from the foil wrap. Tie the little so-and-so's front paws to rear paws with garden twine and bind tightly to leg of dining table. Find heavy-duty pruning gloves from shed. Push pill into mouth, followed by a large piece of fillet steak. Be rough about it. Hold head vertically and pour two pints of water down throat to wash pill down. Consume remainder of scotch. 
get spouse to drive you to the emergency unit, sit quietly while doctor stitches finger and forearm and removes pill remnants from right eye. Call furniture shop on way home to order new table. Arrange for the RSPCA to collect mutant cat from hell and call local pet shop to see if they've got any hamsters. Uh, by the way, incidentally, if you've got a dog, it's much easier with a dog. How to give a dog a pill, wrap pill in bacon, throw in air. Everybody happy. There you go. How to give a... How to give a, a cat a pill. It is hopeless, isn't it? If you've ever tried it, it's ridiculous. Mars says, why don't you just conceal the pill in the cat's food? Ours, ours knew when we were going to give it a pill and it wouldn't, it wouldn't eat the food. Cats are very fussy. They'll eat food forever and a day. And then there'll be one day where they just go off it. I'm not eating that. And you go, go on, you liked it yesterday. It's tuna. I'm not eating it. Well, what do you want? Anything. I'm not eating tuna. And they sit there and they will literally, they'll starve themselves to death. They will starve themselves to death rather than eat the food that they've been eating quite happily. Although, to be honest with you, middle of winter, if you're a cat, the last thing you want is ice-cold, stinky fish food. First thing you want, I used to dread opening the tin of kitty cat if it was fish. Ugh. And you'd spoon it out, you'd get smells. Absolutely horrible. Uh, Kenneth says, uh, I'm a, a long-time member of your 4am spike. He says, to give a cat a pill creates images of total chaos. I laughed as much this time as when you played it before. Yes, I've, I've aired it a few times over the years. I like It makes me laugh. makes me laugh every time. Listen to yesterday's programme, coming back to London, says Patsy. Uh, have to say, you're spot on about the graffiti everywhere, even on the metro trains in Rome. It is, it's the worst I've ever seen. For a city with such beauty, she said, it's a bit of a shock. Hope the old blood sugar's under control. Shall we find out? See what it's doing this morning, shall we? I have a horrible feeling. I mean, I, what would it be this morning? I have a feeling, I mean, yesterday... 12, says the producer. We're going 12. OK, let's give it a... Oh, why's it got an error on there? A retest. OK. Retest. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes these blooming things, they never work, do they, first time round? So now I don't know what it's doing. There we go. Let's try that again. Thank you. No, it's got error on it. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm really ill? I've never seen error retest. It's got E3. And seeing as I don't know what E3 is, it doesn't really help, does it? And I can't turn it off or do anything. It's got an error. I wonder why I've got an error. I've got loads of little... Let's try that. See what it does next. I'll leave it for a minute or so. Um, the br- curling. I must mention curling for the simple reason. I've, I've seen it on the television over the years. It's a bit like bowls for me. It doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. I don't, I, they've had factories that make the, the curling things and you've got to knock it down and you've got to go in front of it and you've got to sort of hoover and vacuum and brush and sweep and everything else. And, uh, and then, then apparently you sort of get to the other end and it's all fine. I don't understand it at all. But I've noticed that the people doing it at the Olympics are fairly young. It's like whenever you see bowls on the television, I thought normally bowls was done by elderly people, with all due respect to elderly people listening who play bowls. And yet all the people I've ever seen on, on the television appear to be young. Here we go. Let's have a... Oh, oh, we think it's working. Oh, it's working. It's working now. Oh, God, got, got quite panic-stricken. Oh, blimey, wait a minute. OK... There we go. I did this... Uh, who did I do this for the other day? I did it in front of poor old Ant. And as I sort of plunged the needle in to get the little blood... I thought he was going to pass out, poor little soul. It's not the, not the best thing to watch. And sometimes it... Ow! Hurts a little bit. Oh, that's good. A lot of blood this morning. My blood must be really thin this morning. And because it's a new machine, it's, it's a lot easier. I showed it to Mike. He actually quite, quite liked it because it's... You don't have to try and get the blood onto a little tiny bit in the middle. What did you say? Twelve? Twelve. Do you know, honestly, you must be psychic. It's dead on 12. It's 12 this morning. Exactly 12. Look at that. How did you know that? 
How do you know that? 12, actually, yesterday was 13 point something. Whereas Mike, poor soul, he was up to 18. And then the other day plunged down to two. Two is, is really bad. So 12 today. That's OK. That's OK. I, I was discussing with the, with the chemist. Because if you are or you think you're diabetic, you really have to go to the doctor and make sure that you get tested. Because it's, it's a killer, as they say. You've got a chronic illness. You need to get it checked out. There's a touching story in the paper today. I mean, it could have been lifted from the plot of Saving Private Ryan. Because you know that there was another film that came out of a family of boys who all died in the war. One by one, the sons were killed. And this is the family of a British soldier who was sent home from the trenches to be with his grieving mother after his five older brothers were all killed in action. Yesterday, told of their pride as the centenary of the start of the First World War nears. In a true story which has striking similarities to the plot of the Oscar-winning Steven Spielberg movie, Wilfred Smith was withdrawn from France to be reunited with his mother, Margaret, who came from County Durham. She lost five of her six sons during the conflict. Robert, 22, George Henry, 26 in 1916, then John William Stout, 37, Wilfred's half-brother, and Frederick, 21 in 1917, before finally losing Alfred, who was 30 in 1918. Following her son's deaths, Mrs Smith was known to say, don't have boys, they just grow up to be cannon fodder. But the series of tragedies prompted a local vicar's wife to write to Queen Mary, asking for her to intervene and send Mrs Smith's only surviving son, Wilfred, who was in his early 20s, back home. Yesterday, Wilfred's granddaughter, Amanda Nelson, said, it's like a true version of Saving Private Ryan. It's an interesting story, and there's a happy ending in one respect. We owe a lot to the lady who was the vicar's wife, because without her, none of us would be here. And she spoke to the local community, who were incredibly close, and decided to write to the Queen to say, can we have Wilfred home, due to the fact she'd lost most of her children. And he was sent home to keep the family name alive, and he was able to live a long life because of that. Wilfred Smith was 72 in 1970. Uh, Noreen says, good luck at the doctors. Remember to mention the lump on your head. Oh, I couldn't forget it. It aches constantly. Uh, is it Sam's birthday next week? Um, sadly, yes. It's such an expensive month for me. Really is ridiculous. I don't know where we got into this charade of, of having to buy people presents for their birthdays. It's, he doesn't buy me anything. Um, uh, please wish Caroline of Gordon and Caroline a very happy birthday. Hope Brian and I see them soon at a show. Did you watch the Brits? I shall wait for your listeners' comments. I didn't, and uh, Noreen didn't watch them either. So, uh, so now you know. But uh, I had a funny dream last night, says Kevin. You owned a fruit and veg shop, and, we, when, we, and when we went downstairs to buy some bits, Ollie Mann was serving. You were nowhere to be seen. Yes, I like the idea of employing Ollie Mann to be, uh, to be a servant. Uh, he could be... Uh, and he, he'd be under the stairs, I think. We'd lift up the stairs. Ollie! Tea! Now! And they put the stairs back down again. I think that would be good. And um, he says, uh, typical... Oh, and you mentioned earlier about re- reusing your test stab needle to check your account. Absolutely no, don't do that. Yes. Uh, well, I, I don't. I have this, this new thing which goes on there now. It's quite nice. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happily into it. Downton Abbey Series 4, says Wendy in Florida, is now playing on American television. Uh, so read Nigel Harmon. Is he the actor who played the valet who raped Anna a couple of episodes ago? Yes. He was in EastEnders. He was killed in EastEnders. He looks remarkable for 40. He really does, and he was, he was really good. It's a very good chat. He's very showbiz. I know his face. Oh, you, you definitely know his face. He's, he's, he's got a, a very loyal fan base. 
very loyal fan base. Uh, Nigel is in Cork. Morning, Ni- morning, Nigel. Two hours into my shift driving a truck around the country. I've converted more drivers to your show. So, say hello to me. In Cork. Hi, you. It's the best we manage. I'm afraid everybody gets covered by the same thing. If you're Irish, it's the same. We don't do the same for the Welsh, apart from, look, see you bark. It's just another accent that I've added to my repertoire. Well, those are my best bits from the week on LBC. I'll be back tomorrow morning, live at four, so I look forward to talking to you then. Don't forget you can download all the podcasts from the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk. And you can always follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next, I'm in conversation with Nigel Harmon and Bonnie Langford, so make sure you stay tuned for that. From LBC, this is Steve Allen, and that continues next.